Off the ball. Does Lampard understand what his role is here? Oh, well, I've only been here a couple of days, you know. I can't sort out all the problems in that time. And you still think you're not here to sort out the problems? Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then. We had a busy week in the URC and a very good week from an Irish perspective. It must be said, Connacht beat Cardiff 38 points to 19. Final home game for Andy Friend. We had Munster in South Africa. Crucial points. Stormers 24, Munster 26. We had an extraordinary Leinster comeback under the circumstances away to the Lions. It finished Lions 36, Leinster 39. And then Ulster in less dramatic fashion saw off the Dragons at home 40 points to 19. In other news, we have Jacques Nienabar coming to Leinster. We have Scott Fardy pitching up now as Connacht defence coach. And if that's all too good to be true, the Six Nations situation is dragging us back down to earth with a bang. Ireland, afresh from their record defeat against France, suffered a record defeat away to Italy. They have England next, which is a daunting thought. And then we would presume Scotland in round five in what will be a wooden spoon playoff. To discuss all, very happy to say Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times is here in studio. You're very welcome. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure. And Fiona Hayes, Grand Slam winner with us as well. Fiona, you're sick of the side of me. Hello. <laughs> hey, Joe. Jerry, how are you? How are you doing? Uh, my weekend is spent eating takeaway, chatting rugby to Fiona <laughs> during matches, you should know. Um, so we'll get all, we'll get on to that later on. Uh, Jacques Nienabar, this is bloody interesting, isn't, isn't it? it? Kept quiet as well. Very quiet. Apparently yeah. he was going to break in South Africa. That's why they they made their announcement on Saturday. It was an unusual day to make an announcement like this. Okay. Match day. But uh, yeah, I must admit, I was shocked when I first saw it. Jack Nienaber, really? For a couple of reasons. Number one, he's leaving a head coaching role, supposedly, anyway, with Razzie there as overlord. But um, a head coaching role with the reigning World Cup champions to become basically work under Leo Cullen at Leinster, which means Leinster are replacing one former international head coach in Stuart Lancaster with another in Jack Nienaber. And they also have, lest we forget, um, a member of the former member of the Crusaders coaching staff, probably the best club side in the Southern Hemisphere, in Andrew Goodman as well. So this just shows you Leinster are now an elite brand in global rugby, below test level, and this reaffirms that in a major way. It's an odd one at first when you think of it, like because the brand of rugby Munster play, the brand of rugby that the Springboks play, and we particularly associated with the Lions series, is the polar opposite of the kind of brand of rugby that Ireland and Leinster are playing. But I guess he's an adaptable coach and will look to... Uh, it'd be interesting to see what kind of remit exactly he will have. I would imagine Andrew Goodman's got a fair bit of a role too, along with Nienbar, and then you've got Sean O'Brien maybe having a bigger role too, I don't know. So... You would think that um, he's been attracted. It's a very interesting way for him to go. He he certainly brings a lot of in IP from the South African rugby and the South Africans have come over the horizon now and are with us for some time to come. So I think that might have been a factor that he has got such inside knowledge of South African the, the franchises that Leinster are going to be coming up against in the URC and potentially in the Champions Cup as well in years to come. So there's that. He's got a working knowledge of Irish rugby through being in Munster. So he does tick an awful lot of boxes. It's uh, certainly a very eye-catching announcement. You'd imagine the whole of Global Rugby went, wow. <laughs> yeah. You'd love to know how it came about as well, because I know Alan Quinlan was saying on this morning's AM show that 
Nienabar, and I think Razzie, but certainly Nienabar's family really loved Ireland, mm. really sad to leave. Mm. And so maybe that's part of the attraction. I don't know if he reached out to them or they reached out to him or how these things happen. Fiona, when he was at Munster, his MO and his reputation was certainly built as defensive guru. Yeah, he did definitely done a lot for Munster defence in those times. It's it's such a coup for Leinster, and especially I suppose now that he's he's gone on to head coach role in South Africa, it's going to be immense for them having him in there and having that inside knowledge on South African rugby. He's such a he's such a good character to have around the place as well. You know what I mean? I I've only heard people talk highly of him down in Munster, and he he really kind of he promotes the game, but it's it's that physicality, that aspect of the game. You can really see it in his coaching style. He also brings a different voice, doesn't he? I can't remember Leinster having a South African coach on their book. They delved quite heavily into New Zealand over the years and a little bit of Australia, but mostly New Zealand, but very rarely South Africa. I can't think of a South African assistant coach that's worked on the ticket. So he'll bring a different voice, different perspective as well, I guess that's going to be interesting for them. Yeah. Curious for your thoughts, Jerry, on the division of labour. So at the moment, you look at the Leinster website Head coach is Leo Cullen. They have Stuart Lancaster very much as senior, senior coach. coach. I don't know, is Nina Barr going in as... Well, the statement coach. said he's going in as a replacement for Lancaster, so I presume his title will be senior coach. OK, they have Andrew Goodman, who you mentioned as assistant coach, yeah. looking after the attack, as we understand it, yeah. replacement for Contepomi. Mm-hmm. Robin McBride is also an assistant coach, yeah. forwards and scrum, and Sean O'Brien is a contact skills coach. So, if Nina Barr is going in very much as, uh, well, you can now look after the defence. Mm-hmm. This does elevate the hold that Andrew Goodman has on, on the core of Leinster, their attack, I suppose, in some respects. He was a Leinster player, people will remember, 2012 to 14, where he won 12 caps for Leinster. He retired in 15. He was backs coach to the Crusaders in 21. A New Zealand native, played at 10 or centre. And he replaced Contepomi. So, as I would understand it, as most people would understand it, Stuart... Lancaster's fingerprints are all over the Leinster attack and have been for numerous years. So if he's going out and Nienabar is coming in, unless Nienabar has got some genius attacking credentials that he kept uh, hidden away during his time at Munster in South Africa, then suddenly in this uh, room of coaches, I'm now looking over at Andrew Goodman with a touch more interest. Yeah, very much so. I think one real obvious improvement in Leinster's game since Goodman's come in has been their launch plays, their strike plays. And you think of that try they got against Leicester when Ross Byrne took it up to the line and uh, was it Hugo Keane was put away by um, the Blightside winner? I think. Was it Jimmy O'Brien? Yes. It was O'Brien, yeah. That looked to me like a classic Goodman move and uh, what he, I think he's really brought something extra to Leinster's attack this season. He comes very highly recommended. Obviously, he's worked with the Crusaders, which, are, like I said earlier, are the outstanding non-test side in the Southern Hemisphere and he was their attack coach there and he'd only been a couple of years though so for that, that was every bit as much of a coup really as getting Lancaster or Nienabar this just shows you where Leinster operate now they just go after the best and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they went after Scotty Robertson even though they denied it I mean I think they would just they would say they can go after anybody they want because they're Leinster now and uh, Goodman I, yeah, I, that's the way I'm reading it as well Joe I think Goodman will have a little bit more even more of a say I, I'd imagine be kind of divvied up between him and Ninia to do an awful lot of the on-field coaching with Leo Cullen overseeing everything but that's the way I'm seeing it but who knows it, it, they, the statement didn't actually specify their exact roles maybe that's still to that will work itself out in due course but no doubt they have a plan yeah. a good one. What's your sense Fiona? 
Yeah, I think uh, Jerry's right. I think it looks like it's going to go that way. I mean, if you have Goodman there, just like how could you not use them having worked with the Crusaders? And, you know, as Jerry said, you can see a slight change in those strike plays. All options are on. It's exciting. You're seeing um, a kind of faster pace attack. And, you know, uh, Leinster have always done that, but you can je- definitely see Goodman and that 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 footprint from that side of the world. Ga- guys are taking it up to the line, getting their hands free. There's It's it's an exciting brand. And if, if he's there, you would imagine he will immediately step into that role because Stuart Lancaster was immense. And, you know, it's the on it's the on-field stuff, I suppose, that is probably drawing Neenberg to the role as well. You know, obviously he's not going to be named as the head coach, but I would imagine he'll be heavily influenced in that with Leo has built such a great capacity for the capacity for those coaches there that they feel wanted and you know to to not have that attached to their name but obviously do all that on-field stuff he, he's built up a great system with the guys he's got there and especially if Sean O'Brien's going to try and become more involved as well in that side of things. And Fiona how would you compare the Munster defence under Nina Barr to what Leinster employ currently? Yeah, look, it's it's you know like the monster defense back then. Obviously, it's different types of players. Um, there still be an imprint of that defense that we've seen from Leinster. It, like Leo isn't going to have him change many peaks in it, but I think it's from that monster period. I think what you used to see is he does have a kind of an aggressive style coming up, and I think Leinster employ that as well. And obviously, as as they go to the sidelines, he has that floating over. But one big thing is, I, I suppose, when a coach is coming in, and yeah, you might be handed. Defense, and you'll have your own ideas around that, but it will also have have to fit into the systems that are already in place because Leinster's defense has been outstanding the last couple of seasons. But he'll probably tweak a, a couple of things, and it could be in in little areas, offset piece, off strike plays from opposition, and different areas like that. But I, I think he's probably expanded how he defends as well with South Africa. I mean, they're a big physical team, so he'll just look at the players and, and he'll ever see what he can do with with the Leinster players that are there. Yeah, they just keep layering excellence on excellence with each uh, coaching ticket building on the last. So the rich get richer. Um, <laughs> lines 36, Leinster 39, seniors we're talking Leinster mm-hmm. at altitude in Johannesburg. Uh, I know we'll, we'll come to the game in a second. Leinster 15 points behind at one stage. But I suppose Sam Prendergast is the headline story at 20 years of age. He has taken everything in his stride from Irish under 20s Grand Slam win and Sonny Bill Williams tweeting about his offloads to the world to a Leinster debut in South Africa. Like I said, 15 points down and a win. Man of the match, URC player of the weekend, kicked 14 points, including the winning kick, the last kick of the game, singing in the dressing room afterwards. Is there anything else from Sam Prendergast weekend that he needs to tick off here, Jerry? This is a bit insane, really, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, not only is he ridiculously gifted, but he seems to be uber composed as well, almost like a Dan Carter type temperament well, or something I, like I that. I thought you're in the 20s. Mm. His body language yes. screamed. Yeah. Kids, yeah. daddy's yeah. here. Yeah. I'm in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, 20? Are you really only 20? Yeah. Is this really only your debut? You're having this on, aren't you? Mm. I mean, he has a little bit of a Stephen Larkham type style in that kind of languid, upright, that extended arms passing style. He puts great pace on the passes. He picks out his passes very well. Tony Smead, the long-serving Trinity head coach, told me about this guy over a year ago. He said, Jerry, this is the most mm-hmm. talented, gifted, young Irish out half I've ever seen come through the system at that age. He really did. He just raved about him. Right. So I've been watching him closely ever since because Tony's a really, really good judge and uh, he's just on the money. I I didn't expect him to be that good in his debut away in South Africa at that altitude. I mean, apart from one sliced kick, I can 
struggling to think of anything he did wrong. His decision making, he got a couple of try assists. He picks out his passes really well. He just seemed to ooze composure. You thought maybe he'd be coming off before the end, but you're glad that he, st- that he stayed on. I think also, you know, in, in all the excitement, understandable about Sam Pendergast. And one other great thing about him, his timing, the timing of his career to come into the Leinster setup just as Johnny Sexton is hanging up his boots. Like, you could have been a great out half for the last 10, 15 years or like being a great outside centre in the yeah. time of Brian O'Driscoll or a great lock in the time of Paul O'Connell. But... It's very, it's particularly good timing oh, like to come along in to the, the, <laughs> to the week, <laughs> to the week, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was, was going to say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One other thing, in the in the understandable fuss about Sam Prendergast's uber composed and mightily effective all round performance and yeah. how what he oozed at twenty years of age on his debut. Chris Cosgrave I thought was outstanding. As oh, well. at fifteen, scored a try as well. Yeah. That footwork for that yeah. try and what won the game as much as any other moment in the match was that fifty twenty two he kicked. And I don't think I've ever seen a better execution of a 50-22. From inside his own half, one bounce within five of the opposition corner flag. Yeah. And the winner was actually, wasn't that far out of place. It just had, it had to be on the proverbial sixpence. And the other thing I liked about that was that um, Sam Pentecost passed a tomb when most mm. out halves would have kicked himself. But by doing that, he gave Cosgrave a better angle for the 50-22. That led to the multi-phase attack, which led to the top-over penalty, which won the match. I don't know whether it was pre-called by Cosgrave, give it to me, I'll have a go. But either way, it was just very intelligent play by both of them. Like, these are kids. I mean, Cosgrave might have to improve his physicality and defence a little yeah. bit, but he's yeah. got real X-factor. That finish was outstanding. Cosgrove. Cosgrove, sorry. Cosgrove, yeah. It's all right. A lot of kids coming at you to get used to all of a sudden. Here we go again. <laughs> um, so, Fiona, let's start with Prendergast. Uh, the way Jerry's talked about him there, even if people didn't see the game, they'll be inclined to go back and watch it now. This is very exciting. Yeah, so exciting for Leinster. I mean, he, I was looking at Charlie Tector in, in the last couple of years and he just seems to have come out of nowhere now and, you know, to, to start such a huge, a huge game and everything Jerry said is on the money. But what impressed me watching back the game was his physicality in defence. He he actually gets up, reminding me a little bit of Johnny Sexton defensively. He's getting into the nitty gritties. A lot of the time when the balls was spilled at Rocks or, or there was a couple of knock-ons and by the lines, you could see it was Sam Prendergast trying to dive in that ball and 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 retrain possession he has I know he's only a young guy he absolutely seems to have no fear when it comes to the physicality because he's such a little baby face when you're watching him out there but he he was just so composed and you know even even his kicking game Jerry spoke about that slice he still even cleared his lines and he was so annoyed with himself because he mightn't have got the distance he wanted he's a beautiful kick of that spiral kick he uses he varies up his kicking techniques as well and just looks so relaxed Relaxed and constantly, I, I specifically watched the game with a view of looking at him. And in the backfield, you can see him constantly talking to the forwards, to his backline. He's just got that 10 arrogance, maybe not an arrogance, but you know, that control that you want your 10 to have. A presence, to just be isn't it, Fiona? It's a presence. A, a pr- exactly. A yeah. presence yeah, and all the that. money and it makes makes you so comfortable to play when you have a player like that around mm. you and to be as good at that as obviously he's coming off the back of that Grand Slam with the with Ireland 20s but to have a player to just step in at a Leinster level and be able to do that was just great for Leinster Yeah that's a good point his confidence is on a high so it's a good time for him to give him a debut nothing to lose and they use this tour very well Well I mean it's just amazing before we lose the run of ourselves I presume there are areas of his game Fiona he'll need to improve upon like does he have lightning pace Is, is were there any um, bits and bobs that you suspect might be fed back to him in terms of well listen 
do this, that and the other and, and you'll be better again. Yeah, look, I, I suppose you can look at that. Um, they're, like Leinster are going to try and build up his confidence. There was nothing glaringly there for me. Okay. Maybe overkicked at times and, you know, might have given, but all tens will, will go through that, might have given the, the back three possession, you know what I mean? And getting that and the defence probably wasn't fanning out quick enough for that because I definitely saw them kicking to the lines and you could see it was kind of a slow shift and them getting defensively. But I just thought for a guy stepping in to, there was overall, I mean, he played flat, he played deep, he passed the ball and he took the ball to the, the gain line himself into contact a few times and look, he was even going in at times for turnovers. He just absolutely had no fear and I thought, um, you know, when Ben Murphy came on, they worked really well together as well. Ben Murphy, I just saw Murphy just sped up the game. You could see that he was so, um, Prendergast was so comfortable playing at pace as well, you know, because it was a difference. Obviously, McCarthy had gone to the bin, things slowed down, but when Murphy came back onto the pitch Prendergast was able to up that pace again because they knew they had to get down and get those few tries and I just thought it was just excellent in how he shifted from that back overusing these forwards and then he went back to bringing the more backline into that style of play for Leinster Okay Can't can't argue with that He's made it Oh my god That's amazing Just with his body and everything else Absolutely because it's funny when Tector was leading Ireland to a Grand Slam last year and then we didn't see him really um, mm-hmm. appear anywhere subsequently as Prendergast was doing his thing this year. I Like I found, we found ourselves in a studio thinking, well, when will he get his opportunity or when will he see him again? And here he is. So that's amazing. On the game itself, it's worth mentioning, Jerry. on the hour mark, the lines were 15 points up. Leinster receive a yellow card. You're at altitude. You're away from home. It's an inexperienced side. I mean, if ever you're allowed to just say, oh, it's yeah. not our day. Yep. That's there you the are. Day. There is, the word culture is overused, but there is like a steeliness about mm-hmm. this group that's fairly frightening. That from, from the hour mark to the 80th minute to turn that game around, how did they do it? That's pretty special. Yeah. I think they were inspired a little bit by that penalty from halfway by Prendergast as well. I think that was why they were still down to 14 men. An important little moment of the match. Um, Cosgrave's finish, obviously. They just, there's something in the organisation that just says, they would have gone out to South Africa, OK, we're the thirds or fourths or whatever we are. We know we are, but we've got a 21 game unbeaten record on the line here and we don't want to be the ones to lose it. Now, it's going to be even tougher next week mm. against the Bulls and with no Reese Ruddock. They, they're short enough of leaders out there and they've just lost their likely captain for the second game as well. So, And it's a tougher side they're playing against. So this will be a, a bigger, more demanding test for them. Bigger side as well, and more X factor maybe. Okay, on the game next week, Fiona, we should just mention mm. Leo Cullen hopped on a plane home to Dublin. Uh, so Sean O'Brien is taking charge. Leo Cullen was saying Sean is stepping up to the plate now. He's developing as a coach. I won't be doing the game next weekend. Sean's going to be our head man next week. It's very strange for me. It's my eighth season. I haven't missed a game. Uh, Sean doesn't do all the game days, but we want to make sure for his development that we do what we can so he does get to the next level. I mean, on the pitch, off the pitch. It's very clever, isn't it? It's brilliant. It really is, Fiona. Yeah. Always planning. <laughs> yeah, it shows the character. It shows the character of Leah Cullen to be able to, to do that. And he, he's looking out for these ex-players and how he's going to develop them. And he's handing them over a young bunch as well. And we all know Sean O'Brien is, is, is not short of being able to get anyone pumped for any game. He's just a, a real character to have around. But he's obviously developed his coaching a lot since he's come back from London Irish. And for Leo to, to leave him there and trust him there and, and build that. But it also shows that Leinster are really focusing on this Toulouse game. Leo's 
going to come home and you mightn't see many of those guys gone over, maybe Jenkins um, that will make that game day squad. So he essentially has extra time with all these players that are going into that massive championship game. I think there's also an element of, do you want to be a coach, Shawnee? I'm not too, he's not 100% sure himself. Mm. So there's a way of him finding out. Like we spoke with him last week and we spoke with him again today. And he, he, this is the first away game he would have been at because he doesn't go to the away games. Mm. And he doesn't even have to go to the home games, but he just decided he would. So he hasn't been incredibly hands-on in match days. And now he's front and centre for a week as the head coach. Do you remember when Pep Guardiola gave Mikel Arteta the head coaching role for a game? One week. It's They're trying to do this now. Okay, Arteta wants to be a coach, no doubt. Shawnee loves spending time in Tullow on the farm. I mean, I did his book with him and I spent a couple of days on the farm in Tullow with him and I swear to God, I've never seen him happier. That's really yeah. where he is, his happiest. Right. So he's not 100% sure he wants to completely devote himself to coaching. My guess is he will. I think he'll catch the bug soon enough. I think this week is another way of him catching the bug a little bit more, but we'll see. Mm. Very interesting. Unless this is like Leo being dev and sending Michael Collins over to London like we don't think the Bulls is doable. <laughs> Sean, you do it. <laughs> we lost the game. Sean, yeah, come on. Leo can claim he's still unbeaten for the season. No doubt yes. he will. Can you imagine the slack they're going to get from oh. the lads if they don't maintain that? And it's a tough. It's probably their toughest challenge on paper this season in some respects. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a short break. Rugby and off the ball. Thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Back with Fiona and Jerry in just one sec. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now you're very welcome back so we'll turn from Leinster to Munster who had a brilliant weekend 26-24 winners against the Stormers in Cape Town Stormers unbeaten in 19 at home by the way that's not uh, a gimme by any means to say the very least and I suppose Fiona the ills of the Sharks defeat i.e. porous defence, a certain lethargy at the breakdown. These kind of issues were rectified in a big way. This was a serious response from Munster. Absolutely massive response. It's mad that one game can can change that. You know, you're you're looking at the breakdown. They in fact went after the Stormers breakdown massively. Um, Munster really put in a huge shift. Um, the likes of Peter O'Mahony, Coombs in the back row were absolutely immense. And you know, I have to say, a lot of people spoke after that game that they would have liked to seen um Connor Murray starting that that Sharks game. You know, it might have suited him. I thought he came into the starting lineup in this start in this Stormers game. He's box kicking was excellent at times defensively five ten meters out he was getting himself into the line making hits he was a player I've seen years ago and it's he's really fighting I think for this uh, World Cup he wants to be in form and it was certainly one of his better games I thought he controlled everything brilliantly but just the, the heart and passion in that monster squad and especially as I said in that kind of back line and or in, in that back row was immense and I and like Snyman, he's getting better in every, every game. Klein was excellent, but you're just watching him, like that first try, he literally picks the ball out of the air with one hand and every time he was tackled by the Stormers, he's getting his hands free and he's he's trying to move and offload that that ball a lot of the game. And if Munster can get him fully match fit, I think he's going to be massive for this team for the last few games of the season. Uh, officially now, because I have read several articles and I'm getting different messages and... Uh 
my sympathies to anyone who has to work out URC permutations, Champions Cup, <laughs> etc. Throws my head in. It's uh, it's not pretty. So okay, is this Champions this. is this Champions Cup rugby secured? <laughs> no. Ah, okay. okay. Right. Because okay. I read it had been secured. Yeah, and I probably could have made that mistake until I had a closer look at it. I <laughs> may, can't remember. May have been in I your piece. But I make go on. I make plenty of mistakes, Joe. Um, <laughs> look, they I'd say they're ninety five percent there on any calculator of algorithms and whatever else by the way but that's good enough for me <laughs> even that. well well go on they're fifth on 53 points yeah. right top six guarantees you champions cup next season um seventh probably will as well provided neither benetton or, or scarlets win challenge the challenge cup. cup okay um they could finish seventh if they lost by more than seven points and didn't score four tries on Saturday, and if the Bulls beat Leinster with a bonus point, because then they would both have 10 wins, both be on 53 points, and would come down to points difference, and at the moment, Munster are plus 113 and Bulls are plus 110, so therefore, the Bulls would overtake them, then they would be in seventh place, and they would have an anxious wait until the outcome of the Challenge Cup okay. semi-finals to be absolutely sure or potentially longer and have to wait till the final if either Benetton or um, Scarlet's make it. So for their own peace of mind mm. and to ensure a higher placing anyway, I think they'll certainly go after this game. The other... Because I read two points against the Sharks next week would guarantee mm. them Champions Cup. Two points... I would have thought it was one. One. Okay. I thought it was one as no, well. No, it's one. It is one, isn't it, Fiona? I'm yeah, right. yeah. One. When I was doing the yes, looking let's at go it, it with ninety-five I liked that. <laughs> uh, that was simple. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So one yeah. point. Not least is, if worse comes to worse, you'd imagine Toulon are hot, hot favourites to win the Challenge Cup because okay. they want that trophy. They've lost four finals in the Challenge Cup. Okay. They've got a massive full house for their quarter final. They're really up for this tournament. Okay. So you make it one point against the Sharks, Fiona. Yeah. Might do it. So mm. give or take. Yeah, the, I do. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, I suppose the key point is the win on Saturday. Day, absolutely yeah, crucial and completely. just lifts and, the mood and I totally endorse Fiona says I've said in this show before I couldn't understand the rationale behind, behind Conor Murray not starting against the Sharks away to a South African side yeah. Conor Murray's physicality is just taken for granted this ability mm. to mop up messy breakdown ball this ability to you know go in and, re and reclaim the ball if he has to so somebody else can step in at scrum half this ability to make tackles around the fringes there was one tried saving tackle I remember off a five metre mm. scrum for Ireland I think it was in Cardiff and when he was pressed back into the game yeah. when Gibson Park was a late withdrawal it's just and it's tackling across the line being that extra defender you need physicality away to South Africa's yeah, side as well as experience and I thought they learned their lesson because after 72 minutes he was or 71 minutes he was still on the pitch yes, there were said it all perhaps times Craig Casey a lot of attributes but against the Sharks Fiona when breakdown was malfunctioning there oh, were times so when, tough on him. when it, maybe he was a touch tepid about getting in there and trying to impose himself in so much as he could I mean ultimately I think regardless of the scrum half there would have been trouble but do you take Jerry's yeah. point about Murray against the Sharks? Oh, definitely. Um, even just to have, you know, you knew that that game was going to be so physical. And as I said, Connor, especially in defensive line, he gets in there, he gets himself about. And it's it's no disrespect. I mean, Casey, we know he, he, he offers something different. He speeds up a game. And I just thought it would have been great to bring him on near the end of the game if Munster were still in that. And just Murray's calmness and organisational skills, his box kicking ability, I think it would have worked a lot better in that Sharks game. But look, they've learned from that and 
you know, you're, you're talking about, um, I suppose, Conor Murray as well. You, you have to look at the, the front row. They were they were nearly all still on with about five, six minutes ago. Maybe Archer that did the full seem... 80, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Lockman... I think it was 79 minutes I yeah. saw yeah. um, Keenan Lockman Knox on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Lockman 75, I read Great Archer effort. 80. Great effort. A couple of tries between Baron. You're you're right too about RG Snyman and John Klein, the improvement in their performance mm. two weeks on, particularly Snyman. Peter Armani is just where would they be without him? Like cheapers. Yeah. He's the heartbeat of that team. Gavin Coombs, I think he's had a great season. Um and uh it's vital that Munster do I've said it before, Joe, but I'm gonna say it again, like this theory that oh maybe they should go into the Challenge Cup and end the twelve year trophy drought. The problem about going into the Challenge Cup is with a brand like we're talking about brands, the Leinster brand. There was a time when Munster was a bigger brand than Leinster. It was right up there with the All Blacks. The only two teams Adidas supplied gear to in the world were the All Blacks and Munster. There's a reason for that. For them not to be in the Champions Cup would be a hugely damaging blow for that brand. And what's more, you can be damn sure the Red Army wouldn't travel in as many numbers, nor would the home fans turn up in as many numbers. They have to be in the Champions Cup. It's good for business. It's not only good for Munster rugby, but it's good for Irish rugby. So yeah. it was a huge result for them. And just looking at it, they're fifth now. I'd say they'd like to stay fifth and get a quarter final away to Glasgow. Um, mm-hmm. Ironically, if you're sixth like Connacht are now, you might end up going to the Stormers. And the other big winners of the weekend were Ulster. By dint of Munster doing them a big favour, they go to second. And that ultimately could be the difference between the semi-final against the Stormers in Cape Town or in the Kingsman. Right, OK. Uh, what, Fiona, as a final word on Munster, what constitutes a good season for Munster from this point in? So let's assume Champions Cup is in the bag. Mm. With the view, view to URC... Yeah, I think that, like they're going to want to go out and win that. Obviously, they know they can't. But I think if they can, if they can get into obviously top four, they're not. They're probably. I don't think they can get home semi-final now. So with the URC, I suppose you're looking at winning the next round and getting themselves, you know, into maybe a semi-final final. It just depends, I suppose, on the Champion Cup teams and and how they're going and how this pans out, I suppose, in the, in the teams they'll feel near the end. But I, I really feel like Munster would be still hoping for silverware. I mean, that performance away from home, um, you know, is massive for that team. I thought they sorted out there's a few scrum issues, but then on the other hand, they weren't really, they didn't bring their bench on. So you, you couldn't possibly have guys playing that long when it comes to the big games. But I think to win, to get into that um, top eight, obviously still be in it and to, 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 to kick on, I suppose, to the next round. It's it's Champions Cup is essential and it's essential for Toman Park and and the home games. But I think with this URC, I think they'd like to they'd like to get a couple more games because as Jerry said, there's a lot of really good players and the likes of Coombs, and you want them to be in Andy Farrell's head when it's coming closer and closer to to that World Cup time when he's picking squads. And the more rugby they're getting, the the more we see these Munters players that are going forward. Just a last quick one on Munster actually before we leave it, and mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about Connacht. Joey Carberry. Mm. Mm-hmm. So not included in the squad. Uh, no. Crowley starting. He's watching Ben Healy coming off the bench. The soon to be departed Heart, Ben Healy. Yeah, I mean, which I, must I, hurt even more. Generally yeah. in Irish rugby, if you're out the door, you're you're instantly a forgotten man. Yep. Munster did point out this is not injury related. Yep. So this is purely form, mm. purely your yep. place in the pecking order. He must be genuinely very concerned about his career. It's been a devastating eight, nine months for him. Well, injuries apart, and we all know he's been very unlucky with injuries. This must be, sadly, one of the lowest points, the lowest point of his career. Because he doesn't look like he's going to make the World Cup squad now. Time's running out for him and there ain't any more shop window moments for him between now and then. 
and he's dropped down the pecking order with Ireland and now he's dropped down the pecking order last what, Saturday. What, why has his stock gone down so, I, so much? From like assurances for like I'm the not previous three, four years, he's definitely the number two to Johnny. Mm. Well, he's such a talented rugby player. I mean, he does some things that no other at half in Ireland can do and I include Johnny in that. He's just such a gifted runner, brilliant footwork. But it, the word is that he could be more bossy on the pitch, that he could talk more, communicate more. You, you were you were, to, you were talking, Fiona, about Sam Prendergast and how mouthy mm. he is. You could see when Ben Healy came on, he was talking away in the huddle. Yep. And it is quite a kick in the teeth for Joey Carberry that the, he was left out of the 23 for such a crunch game. Mm. And Ben Healy, who's leaving, was put on the bench ahead of him. And yet... You could argue that actually the backline moved better with Ben Healy at 10 than yeah. with Jack Crowley yeah. at 10. And that was particularly evident in the Shane Daly try, which was in many ways the winning of the game. Mm. That Healy threw out a beautiful pass and that was a, a, their best backline move of the match. So you can't say they've got it wrong and I can't say I know all of it, but it's just such a kick in the teeth for Joey Garby. I hope he bounces back. I hope he regains that old swagger and just starts bossing people around again. I'd, I would hate to see his this wonderful talent just fritter away now would just be an awful shame. Would. And even Fiona at times, I yep. don't know, as he understandably perhaps lost a touch of confidence in his body with his mm-hmm. defensive mm. uh, work as well. There are times you wonder if that's just there somewhere in the ether, but it it is an extraordinary fall from grace. Definitely. And, you know, Jerry's hit the nail on the head there with Healy as well. I mean, I thought he came on and he was really good. And, you know, that's going into the next game is like you have to have Healy in the in the picture for that game. He's kicking game. That lovely skip pass. He, he Since he's come back from Scotland, he looks like a really confident guy about the place. Obviously, he's leaving. So so Munster might look at that. But I, I, I think with, with Joey... We looked at him and he played his his career at at full back a lot of the time and you know that's a that's a guaranteed made tackle when you've someone in full back you know they're one of the best tacklers in your on your team and they're making those hits with uh, Joey now whether it's his confidence or what he's doing if he ever went into full back I'm not as confident with his tackling game back there as well so mm. he's just seems to have lost a little bit of confidence um as at a ten as a he like he has he has everything as a player. It's just with injury, and as Jerry said, he's he's obviously not as vocal, so that would probably affect he's he's an inner type of ten. And if you're not confident in your that inner type of ten, it's it's very hard to to crawl back that form. And I suppose how Munster played for a couple of games when he was in there didn't help him along the way either. Yeah, he's been taken off in a few of the clutch games, hasn't he, for the last twenty minutes of games in Europe, the Champions Cup. This has been coming. Yeah. Yeah, not nice to see at all. No, um, no. Hopefully, we see him back to his best soon. Yeah. Connacht 38, Cardiff 19, we should touch on. So Connacht make the playoffs. Uh, you know, amazing turnaround in their fortunes. Do you remember the start of the year when the 4G pitch was being put down and they lost their First three away. Three, yeah, mm. took no points. Six league wins in a row. Uh, their best run since 2016. It was Andy Friend's last uh, home game. And, you know, he was emotional and reflected on five great years. They have John Muldoon now in for forwards coach. Scott Fardy announced as defence coach defence coach under Wilkins so you sense kind of a, a good solid uh, again to use that word culture but culturally very sound uh, presences now coming in under Wilkins and there is a great chance of Champions Cup rugby as well so from a point Fiona where we were sort of saying oh there's a, a sense of transition about Connacht they really mm. picked up the last couple of weeks and, and just turned everything around in a big way 
Yeah, massive. I, I, I watched the game back, uh, or sorry, I watched the game actually live. I was finished the studio and I went straight to watch it because I, I, I'm I'm always interested in kind of how they do and, you know, because their form is is just so hit and miss. But I, I thought they were really, really good and Aki was immense. It was a huge game for him. They were so fired up from the start of the game and like their back row, everything seems to be clicking. You the two Murphys in second row. They put in a huge shift as well. The back row had four turnovers between them. They seemed to... When and it's coming towards the end of the season. Normally, we see them t- uh, tailor off, but it, it, it's the opposite this season. I think that they're they're getting better. And as I said, when they have the likes of Bundy and Mac Hansen, they, everything seems to gel together. And their front row is, has been really good as well. I mean, their set piece is, is come on loads. And for Marmion as well, the crowd favourite to get a, a try in what probably is essentially his last game there after, after giving his whole career to Connacht. It was just a huge occasion. You could see Andy Friend was delighted and all the fans were out there so it's it was it was a great day for Connacht and and I think they're definitely pushing on and they're in with a chance as well when it comes to this URC they'll be looking at winning a couple of those uh, big uh, quarterfinals and semi-finals because Jerry I remember certain points in the season saying well they were they, they probably have spent time trying to focus on sorting out the defensive ills of last season and in doing so they've watered down their once brilliant set plays you've often said they're the best set play team around and it there was just like almost with friends imminent departure like a sense of stasis about a lot of their season and now room. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was there. Um, 5,322 people. Uh, last home game of the season at the sports ground and I think that what Connacht have done in making the playoffs given they've got a budget that's about half the size of the other provinces and even less than half of Leinster's and less than pretty much all the Welsh sides by the Dragons and less than Benetton and less than they're down there in terms of budgetary restrictions with Zebra and the Dragons, and we look and see how they've been doing, and Connacht are up in sixth place, mm. qualifying for the playoffs. It's a phenomenal achievement, and it's a credit to the whole organisation, from Willie Ruan downwards to Andy Friend, who spent five years in Connacht, two more than he's ever spent anywhere else, and has never had a losing record in those five seasons. This has been their best season, second best in the pro era, after the Pro 16, 14, at yeah. the Pro 12 in 2015-16, under Pat Lamb, and were nothing like the undulations much more consistent over five years than it was in those three or four years under Pat Lamb. And now, now don't get me wrong, what Pat Lamb achieved there was absolutely phenomenal. So I think it's, I think history will reflect well on Andy Friend's tenure. I thought at the game, I agree totally with Fiona in the sense that their scrum and their line-out is among the actual best in the tournament. De- Devold Senegal is leaving as well, sadly. He's gone off to Ionex in the top, or even Pro Dida, which is a disappointment because their set-pieces are outstanding. Um, Niall Murray took I think his 15th line out steal of the, t- of the competition mm. he's like 7 clear of anybody else in the URC and as well as taking one there were like 3 overthrows because they're trying to avoid Niall Murray that's the pressure he's putting on um, their back their whole running game has become is much more developed and honed than Cardiff's and asks much more questions more animation off the ball there's more options out the back or flat Jack Cardi pulled the strings and they also had more X factor than Cardiff in the likes of Mac Hansen particularly Dermot Kilgallen um, it's a serious talent and I know they've got Carl Ford coming through as well Tom Farrell had a really good game they were very convincing winners and you know what they just looked like a really good side they've won I think 9 out of 11 on that all weather pitch only Leinster and Munster Leinster and Ulster have beaten them narrowly mm. so like at home particularly they developed a brand of rugby that just suits that surface and the sports ground looked a picture despite the fact that it had been lashing rain all day long in Galway and I just think it's a great achievement and the, sh- the sad thing is they're not in the Champions Cup they should be 
Just because the Welsh and the Scottish unions they vote. They have a, ch- a chance still. Oh, they still should make chance, it. Yeah. But they should be in there by now. Both of oh, yeah. them should be. Sorry, yes. It's a joke that Cardiff now, who 11th. they trashed, yeah. were 11th. So is that just, be, we have to have a Welsh... That is the Welsh... Yeah. When this URC started up, the Welsh and the Scottish unions voted for the winners of the four shields have to get automatic mm-hmm. qualification for the Champions Cup. The RFU voted against it. Okay. South Africans and the RFU will not be voting for it again. It needs unanimous approval for this to ever happen again. So it will never happen again okay. after this season. No, interesting, because yeah. I did read next year Scot- or, uh, Scotland, uh, Connacht would be in. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So by my calculations, again, here we go, apologies. There's sixth place, top six, as we know, gets it. Top seven might, depending if who wins the Challenge Cup. Come kickoff, the Bulls and the Sharks might have overtaken them if they beat the other two Irish so brothers. They need Leinster and Munster to do them a favour. Favour. Come kickoff, or else okay. they're going to have to beat Glasgow away okay. to make sure they get into the Champions Cup next season, which they deserve. Yes. And um, Kieran Marmion was telling us afterwards, I'd say for one of the few players to ever get a round of applause when he walked into a, um, mm. a press room afterwards, because he's just so popular after 11 years there and stuff, and it was a great story even getting his try. So he's never won there. It's a bit of a bogey round for them. Okay. So. The one good thing is they kick off last on Saturday at 7.35 so they at least will know exactly where they are on the table and what they need to do. Oof, that's all set up, isn't it? Yes, it is. God, they really deserve it the way you've painted their season there and, and their achievements. What, Marmion is so popular because? 11 years there. He, his try actually took him to the third highest try score in Connacht's history. But you said the journalists applauded him. Yeah, we all applaud him when he came in just to say, ah, oh, we got Kieran Marmion because he's such a good story in the oh, day. Oh, sorry, okay. Because it's just you're, you're, you're a cynical, miserable bunch. So I just... Uh, nah, not, out in the, not out in the West or not. They're all very optimistic okay. out that way. Uh, <laughs> and you just get into the flow with them. Okay. So he's probably, even the journalists were saying... Ah, uh, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. It's, I was, it was just like for him to come in after that ending. Like the, the biggest cheer of the match nearly was when he came on just past the hour. Yes. And then he scored in the corner, which, um, the, you know, the press box is in the clan terrace mm. side. So it's in the far, far corner. And you're not quite a, it's such a low level. And then you're seeing the screen and the clan, all, every season screen, oh, geez, it's Kieran Marmion. And then <laughs> there was like this ripple effect. Do you know what I mean? There was, like, there was just like this secondary cheer that was louder than the first. It was the, nearly the biggest cheer of the night. You couldn't have made it up. And he was, he was quite emotional. Look, I think kind of run their, their ship really, really well. Mm. But I'm told he actually wanted to stay and he wanted a two-year deal. But they were, he's 31. I thought after 11 years, they probably deserved a two-year deal. Um, but that's what I'm told. And I'm told that from a number of sources out that way. And whereas Bristol, Pat Lamb have come in and offered him a two-year deal. And he was quite emotional leaving, the thought of leaving, that, is, that being his last home game. Ironically, his brother has just moved from Albany in New Zealand to Galway. <laughs> and now he's hopping across to Bristol but no doubt he'll come back to Galway that's what they do they all come back Galway gets a hold of you after 10 years you tend (laughs) it becomes part of you forevermore I'm told yeah Geez, Fiona, like I, that, everything about Connacht there would warm the heart I mean they uh, probably don't get the credit they deserve the way Jerry's painted the picture no, and they've just, and even with Pat Lamb, they've just built up a, a family-friendly atmosphere. You know, even when you go down there, all the kids are out there. He spoke about Marmion and he stayed around signing all the kids' autographs for, for a good while after. I had friends at the game and he's he's he gets himself involved in the women's side of things as well. He's helped out a few of the girls on, on Connacht and, and given them tips. So he's just a, an all-around good guy. And I think they've built that kind of family atmosphere. And I've even heard of Bundy going down to a couple of women's sessions in Galway 
legends he would have been involved with them and Jared Butler so I think they appreciate that you know it's a community spirit and they get the crowds out every time you're in there I mean Jerry would as Jerry Jerry was there I would imagine that 5,000 sounded like it was it was 15,000 at times because they get behind the team and they just the, the style of rugby they're playing uh, be it sometimes defensively you're, you're, you're looking up going oh god but the attacking style kind of played the strike plays they have everything is just so exciting to watch and fair play to the coaches that have brought that into their game especially Andy Friend because it's, yeah. it's so good to watch No it's an amazing thing I mean from I, we can trace trace it from Lamb when they said even though we're on the western seaboard and it rains every day of the year <laughs> meant to become as attacking and, and, and flair centred side as there is and that's that's, uh, that's complete change it used to be the way Connor were known for their line out mall yeah. as their main source of tries um, the other thing as well Kieran Marmion said Joe was that uh like when you're when you play for Connacht for eleven years, you have a lot of bad days. You have bad campaigns. It's it's not always easy. Yeah. But it, he said that's what makes the good times even better. And he said that Pro Twelve title would live with them for the rest of his life. Mm. Obviously. Well, fingers crossed they make Champions Cup. So that's all set yes. up for Saturday coming. Uh, yeah. The other yeah. thing about Champions Cup as well, and Fiona Touchins there as well. Like no less than Munster, Connacht need it. And we were talking to Jack Carty last week and Jack Carty still has ambitions to play for Ireland and he tends to go on for the next four-year World Cup cycle. Maybe they all these out have to see a life after Johnny and maybe see a, a fairer <laughs> feel, I don't know. Yeah. But he thinks he's improving with age and he's getting better into his 30s like Johnny did. But you're not, as you said earlier, Fiona, you're not going to get a chance to really press your claims for a spot in that Irish squad if you're playing Challenge Cup. That's very much out of sight, out of mind. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So let's puncture the good mood and turn to the Six Nations, Fiona. Um, Ireland record defeat against France and then unfortunately record defeat to Italy as well. 24 points to seven. They have England next, which just looks very daunting at the moment. England are not a side in the habit of taking it easy. They've such competition for places. They may well be eyeing up some kind of a record score as well. And then I suppose we're looking, Fiona, at Scotland in round five, which will be something of a wooden spoon playoff. A strange thing to say about a Scottish side who we sat and watched yesterday and were beaten 55-0 by France, yeah. but they have a bit about them as well and Ireland only beat them by a last-minute kick in Belfast last year. So with home advantage, uh, it's starting mm. really now to have the feel of a wooden spoon year for Ireland for the first time since 2004. Uh, what would you say about the performance in Italy? Big picture. Um, look, big picture, the players themselves said it wasn't good enough. Um, I suppose there was uh, little glimpses um, there at times, you know, through be a true scrum time. Um, Maul, um, if they if they were able to get them all formed, they obviously struggled at line out time, Joe, as well. We, we, we spoke about that a lot. Um, they seem to only have one option available at times. So, look, um, big picture is that there was some good parts to the game. But obviously, defensively, shipping that many points against Italy, shipping that many points against France, um, those systems probably aren't as tight as they'd like to, them to be, especially that 12-13 channel. I thought Italy found a lot of change um, down there. So look, they're, they're not... They're not consistent enough and they're not aggressive enough with the ball and what they're doing inside the 22 and there's just far too many errors. So when they get into that scoring zone, it's almost like panic sets in. So coming from um, uh, looking on at them, I suppose you're looking at maybe trying to going into these big games in England. I don't know, will it happen? But against Scotland, if they can get over that four or five phase mark, 
being able to have structure and being able to control that because it's almost like they implode in games when they get over that kind of three, four, five um, 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 rock time line. So look, the the coaching staff have a lot to do. They're they're going to look at England. They know everybody knows it's going to be a huge scoreline. But I suppose as as a coaching team and as a team that's going out there, all you can all you can do is focus on this game. Obviously, with with Scotland in mind, but trying to get individual and team performances. So fix in a couple of areas and hopefully use that to bring into that Scottish game because England is going like England are absolutely on fire. Yeah. I I don't even think France will get near them in the game. England could. Have have any one of their 40 contracted players in any, you know, playing and they'll still come up with a, a big win. Yeah, it was interesting. Even Simon Milton a couple of weeks ago, I think they had 15 or 16 injuries. And usually mm. that's where a coach says, bloody hell, what am I meant to do here? And he, even before a game, he came out and said, yeah, this is kind of outrageous, but like I've got 50 amazing players here. So the injuries are not even a no. beginnings of a problem. And uh, Fiona mentioned like the panic and, and even the centre partnership in defence uh, which was a fresh partnership. And there are so many fresh partnerships on that pitch mm. for Ireland, Jerry, because even though the average age of the team is 26, which is relatively older or, or certainly should be approaching their prime, the average number of caps in that team is six. The average number of caps in an English side, by comparison, is 37. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like, oh, in, in, you know, in four or five years, they'll be in a great place that it's this super young team. They'll actually be... An, an aging team if they were to stick with the same players. And so also Italy, the s- same age, 26, but mm. same age. the opening game I remember, I don't know if it still applies because they lost their captain a few players by round four, but in their opening game the tournament, every single player had a minimum of 12 caps. So while this is a new Italian head coach, it's basically the core of the same side that played at the World Cup. And this is the disadvantage that this Irish women's team came into in this tournament because everybody else had played in the World Cup and they hadn't. So that meant they were far more cohesive. They were yeah. just further down the track. We saw it mm. in the men's Six Nations when Gatland and Borthwick had to build, start from scratch with Wales and England and the top three in the table were all under coaches were in the fourth or sixth years of their cycles in Andy Farrell and Fabien Galtier and Gregor Townsend. It's not dissimilar in this except that the, the gaps are even wider. I thought... I thought, yeah, they were up against a good, it's a good Italian side. I watched the highlights of their opening match against France. That was a one-score game till about five minutes from the end. Yeah. So, like, mm. then you watch what France did to Ireland in Musgrave Park with, by winning by 15. You think, well, by initially are clearly good at home. I wouldn't be surprised if the Italian team still finishes third by beating Scotland and Wales. Do, yeah. I think they're, they play a really nice band of rugby. The skills between the forwards and the backs are lovely. Rigoni mm. in midfield is a fabulously creative player, like... Passing, running, that little chip kick for Dinka's first try. Then you see the locks combining to put Dink over for a second mm. try. Um, I thought, least, like I don't mean to be patronising Fiona, but I did think that the team stayed in the fight right all the way to the yeah. end. At least the scrum has improved immeasurably since they got mm. maybe their selection run against Wales in round one. That is something. And I thought it was... I, again, I don't want to be patronising, but I did think it was quite a spirited yeah. performance. They stayed in the game even when it didn't yeah. look like they were oh, going to win. They never down tools. They never down tools. No, they don't. No. But I mean... No, they don't. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, yeah. It, it's scant consolation, I suppose, when that's one of the big pluses of the campaign. Mm. Fiona, just to... Because we touched on this over the weekend and it might yep. be interesting. You take... So France beat Scotland and, and improved in Scotland by 55 points and England beat mm-hmm. uh, much improved Wales by, I think, 56 or something ar- ar- yep, 56. around that mark. 56, yeah. Yep. So I was asking you, has the gap 
where it's like mm. a routine 50 point winning margin for England and France against the rest. Has that gap always been as severe or have we, is, is this a more recent phenomenon whereby it's 50, 60 point winning margins almost as a matter of course? Yeah, I think uh, I think I've seen it since the since Ireland hosted the World Cup. Um, I feel like England and France is in particular kicked on. I think in uh, twenty eighteen, Tyrrells came in and and came behind the women's premiership in in England. And it, to be fair to to France rugby, they have so many competitive teams in their leagues, and they play week in week out. And look, Ireland's um, game at home, I suppose the the AIL and the the grassroots game just was neglected probably for for a couple of years whereas they built on that and Ireland didn't we know Wales didn't Scotland didn't um, but what happened with Wales and Scotland is they were all their players now I would imagine I think starting on both all the Welsh and the Scottish team that they all play in this uh, premiership in England and it's absolutely massive for them they mightn't all be on the same teams, but the level of physicality, the games they're playing each week is huge. And we haven't sorted out our shop here at home. We don't have a, a structure that's been the same for the last few years. It's chopping and changing. I know the global car- calendar is changing, but I think we've neglected that. And we're seeing that now in the, in those girls out there. And Jerry's hit the nail on the head as well. They are spirited and those players give absolutely everything on the pitch and, and they're, they're going in a direction and they're going on a journey be it it's a little bit too late for this group they will improve but to be up there competing with France and England it's definitely a good bit off I think Fiona it's difficult for me to see as well where you can bridge that gulf because the Celtic Cup presumably was meant to be the great stepping stone to international rugby but if all the Welsh and Scottish players are Mm. playing in the Premiership I presume that means the Celtic Cup is not going to be of the requisite standard to Mm ups yeah so it's um, and then of course if you finish bottom in the Six Nations and the way the new World 15s is divided up yep. just all becomes a little bit of a vicious circle and it's yeah, very hard to break out of Isn't it right Fiona that if yep. they win one spoon it'll be tier 3 I mean we were bemoaning oh god it'll be tier 2 but it now looks like yep. it'll be tier 3 of this new competition the World 15s and for the next two years so what, what opposition are you talking about in tier 3? It's two years. Like, Joe, you could be looking at, um, like, even the likes of Japan, who Ireland played, they would definitely be tier two. So they're not, it would be, you might be looking at someone like um, Jamaica, Kazakhstan, um, Sweden. It could be, you know, teams that don't play much rugby. They obviously always come together in the European Challengers and it would be the same. You might have um, over on the other side of the world, Jamaica might have a a 15s team. So it's it's teams that are, are coming together that would be fresh even, you know, as 15s game trying to like get into that. So you're not going to be playing the the type of competitive rugby um you want and it's two years. So this this is mm. this Scottish game is absolutely huge for them because if they can make that jump and, and stay in that tier two, yeah, they'll get Japan and they'll have other you might have Samoa in there, they'll have competitive games and they can push on that way. But the, the World Fifteen Tier Three will not stand, I don't think, to these players. Yeah, they'll get a, a few wins behind their belt, but when it comes to Six Nations time, the gap will be gone bigger and bigger again. Like Jerry said, it, it's not going to be golfed with these type of games. Okay. Mm. Um, all three of us are willing to cover the away trip to Jamaica, but that is the only positive. <laughs> I think, I definitely. Not the Kazakhstan game. Actually, it's something, a thought a bit like that came across my mind when Fiona mentioned Jamaica and then Kazakhstan. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. Look, hopefully they, they, they surprise us all and, and pull something out of the bag and keep improving. Guys, we'll have to leave it there. We're way over time. Fiona, thanks, Emil. 
Thanks, guys. Fiona Hayes with us in the line and Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times. Cheers, Jerry. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, Fiona. Monday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.